0: it's midday magazine for friday august 4th i'm shelby herbert i have an update to a previous story that ran on monday regarding cakes children's fishing derby the derby has been rescheduled for saturday august 19th due to covid 19 concerns the organized village of cake laid the foundation for alaska's first modern clam garden this week The community hopes the project will preserve an important food source and keep traditional knowledge alive. A group of Eight Cake community members got up at the crack of dawn to beat the tide. They needed to pile a line of stones 60 feet long on the village's shoreline. They'll slowly add to it over the course of the summer until it's about two feet high. That wall, they hope, will eventually house thousands of clams and cockles. Aiden Clark is a junior at Cake High School and a member of the Alaska Youth Steward Program. He was all in to spend a morning out of his summer vacation hauling around big rocks for the clam garden.
1: It's a lot of rock to move, but it'll do do good for
2: the community, though. So the clam population is starting to go down a lot.
0: And he's right. The clam population is starting to go down a lot. The EPA projects that shellfish harvests across the U.S. could fall by nearly a half by the end of the century. The administration says human-caused climate change is the culprit. Simon Friday is the natural resources coordinator for the organized village of Cake, the village's tribal government. Friday says the garden will help make local shellfish more resilient to climate change in three ways. The first by helping them weather the storms that tend to tear up the coastline.
1: With shellfish gardens, it provides protection to the beach from erosion due to storms, and that's something that's likely to occur with climate change.
0: The second reason? Clam gardens increase the number of shell fragments in the area, boosting the minerals baby clams need to create their shells.
1: We're hoping that that will help with some of the ocean acidification due to the calcium in the shells.
0: And the third reason? The rock fortress could help trap food for the clams.
1: So the the gardens, they change the drainage of the beach, which allows more phytoplankton to be readily available so they have more food to eat, which allows them to grow faster and stronger and bigger and all that good stuff.
0: But Friday says Cake's Clam Garden isn't just for the benefit of local marine life. During the COVID-19 pandemic, shipments of food weren't coming in on time, and the shelves of the village's only grocery store were laid bare. Now that things have settled down, Cake is preparing for the next crisis.
1: We also realized that with climate change that we needed some sort of localized protective measures to ensure that we continue to have the foods that we enjoy, one of those being clams.
0: They're also hoping it'll help fix the limited and expensive food options available to them right now. Eloise Peebles manages the Alaska Youth Steward Program in CAKE, and she's helping rally youth volunteers to move boulders for the garden. Supporting local food security is a huge priority for her. Particularly because um, of the fact that we are already limited in our food by having a small grocery store and then having those prices be extremely expensive. And in order to have a healthy diet, we need to rely on the land and water around us. For thousands of years, many indigenous communities up and down the Pacific Coast garden shellfish. Over time, their practices not only increased shellfish production, but also expanded their habitat and improved species diversity. The Swinomish Indian Tribal Community of Washington State built the very first modern clam garden in the United States last year. Friday went down a few times to check it out, and now he's thrilled to see his community invested in building a shellfish garden of their own.
1: It takes a community, <laughs> you're literally just moving heavy rocks. Yeah, it just requires a lot of work, <laughs> a, lot, a, lot, a lot of people to move the rock. More, the more the merrier, because then, you know, everybody saves their back.
0: Plus, they'll get to eat. And the team has a few different ideas in mind. What is your favorite way to eat shellfish?
1: Ooh, favorite way, I'd probably have to say, uh, the chowder that my dad makes.
0: Fried clams with a good old tartar sauce.
1: I crab. I just boiled crab.
0: With the foundation laid out, the last thing left for them to do is stack it all the way up to two feet. Friday says the main point of the exercise is education, so the bivalves that do take up root in the garden are just a bonus. Reporting for KFSK in Cake, I'm Shelby Herbert. Harmful algal blooms are becoming more common as Alaska's seas warm. A recent bloom identified in the Bering Sea is raising concerns with toxin levels multiple times higher than what is considered safe. A public service announcement released by the Norton Sound Health Corporation identified a harmful algal bloom in the Bering Strait region over the weekend. The UAF-operated research vessel Sikuliok found high concentrations of Alexandrium catenella, an algae that produces toxins that cause paralytic shellfish poisoning. Dangerous levels of algae were found near the Diomede Islands, Wales, and Savugna. Samples analyzed last week showed Wales had six times the limit, while Diomede had seven times the limit per liter of seawater, The St. Lawrence Island community of Savugna had an astounding 47 times the limit. This is the same species found in a harmful algal bloom event in the Bering Strait region last year. Last year's algal bloom was highly concentrated and was one of the highest Alexandrium blooms ever observed in the United States. Alexandrium algae can infect marine wildlife, such as clams and crabs, and harm the organs of marine mammals and seabirds marine wildlife that consume the algae directly or indirectly through their food may accumulate higher concentrations of a specific toxin called saxitoxins they can affect animal and human health. The full health risks are largely unknown and the only way to recognize the toxins is through lab testing. The The research vessel collecting water samples will be in the Bering Strait region, updating the Norton Sound Health Corporation and the State of Alaska Division of Public Health on harmful algae levels. If you feel sick from eating any seafoods, contact your health care provider. For more information on harmful algal blooms, symptoms, and treatment, call the Alaska Section Epidemiology at 907-269-000. A Wrangell nonprofit that supports cancer patients in southeast Alaska hosts its annual golf fundraiser this weekend. As Sage Smiley reports, organizers promise fun and frolic, as well as education for all attendees. Once a year, a
3: wave of neon pink splashes down across Wrangell's Muskeg Meadows golf course.
4: You can hear laughter from one end of that course to the other.
3: Patty Gilbert is president of the WMC Foundation, a Rangel nonprofit aimed at helping support cancer patients in the region.
4: When the foundation was organized in 2005, the foundation realized the hardship of traveling out of town for cancer care.
3: The WMC Foundation offers travel and lodging reimbursements of up to $1,200 per year to anyone being treated for cancer in any Southeast community south of Petersburg with a population of 5,000 people or less.
4: Our foundation helps with all types of cancer.
3: So the foundation puts on a yearly fun and frolic golf fundraiser bringing together women from Rangel and Petersburg to raise money for the cancer care program.
4: You don't need to know how to play golf. In fact, it kind of hinders you if you know how to play golf.
3: Each hole on the nine-hole course has a different challenge, prize, or theme. Participants may have to tee off with their foot in a bucket or substitute a golf ball for a wiffle ball at another hole. Chris Ellis plans out the course. She says the event was originally a more traditional golf tournament, modeled after major breast cancer research fundraisers down south, like the Susan G. Komen Foundation.
4: Here in Wrangell, that plan didn't work real well. And so over the years, we have simplified things, made it more user-friendly, and hopefully much more fun there were some costs involved in being part of that <coughs> Komen Foundation that we really couldn't afford because we're not that big. So we just turned it into rally for our local cancer care.
3: As such, the event is geared toward women. But it's not just for breast cancer. The event raises money for all types of cancer treatment, and men are allowed to participate.
4: We, would, we wouldn't turn any men away. If they want a fun and frolic, they are welcome.
1: Right. All they have
4: to do is put put up with the uh, giggles of uh, 50, 70 women out on the course. Lots of pink decorations. Lots (laughs) lots of pink. There will be a lot of pink. Mm
3: -hmm. In keeping with the breast cancer rally roots, Gilbert says the WMC Foundation has also partnered with local tribal health provider, the Southeast Alaska Regional Health Consortium, or SEARCH.
4: Last year, we partnered with SEARCH, and it vastly increased and doubled our donations, the amount of fun that we had, the amount of participation. It was a win-win partnering with SEARCH. So this year we're going to do it again. Search sponsors the first
3: hole of the tournament with a prize of $300 for the closest drive to the line. They also provide goodie bags and run carnival games to raise additional funds. Wrangell Medical Center Imaging Director Jackie Spry says last year the games raised almost $600, but she says that's not the event's only purpose. It is a lot of fun, but it's also really important for us to be able to pass on education while we're there at our tent. They share information at the event about breast cancer screenings. Spry explains Wrangle has some state-of-the-art mammography equipment that Search wants to make sure community members know they have access to. We're very fortunate to have that technology on our small island, and it's important because one in eight women get breast cancer, where one in 800 men get breast cancer. Breast cancer is also the second leading cause of death among women in the United States following lung cancer. The event also includes a moment to honor those who have battled cancer. Ann Kramer is a retired mammographer and board member of the
4: WMC Foundation. Each year you, we have the opportunity, you can pick out one little pieces of cloth or hearts in different shapes. You can write the name on it of your loved one who has had any type of cancer and then it is uh, ironed on and it will be there forever. WMC
3: Foundation Treasurer Olinda White says the foundation has disbursed over $152,000 to more than 180 people since it started in the mid-2000s. So far this year, White says they've supported over a dozen cancer patients from Wrangell, Petersburg, and Metlakatla. In Wrangell, I'm Sage Smiley.
0: Registration for the Fun and Frolic event starts at 9 a.m. at Muskeg Meadows in Wrangell. Tea time is 10 a.m. with lunch served around noon. Visit WMCCancerCare.com for more information about the event, student scholarships, or applying for a cancer care travel or lodging reimbursement. Hundreds gathered last Friday night in Haines to watch Juno Drag's first-ever appearance at the Southeast Alaska State Fair. Despite the initial controversy over the performance, Yvonne Crumry reports that the show was an overwhelming hit.
2: Volunteers in purple vests and fairy wings set up the catwalk as people of all ages crowd around the stage, many wearing glitter on their faces. For some residents, like Cimarron Marquardt, hosting a drag show at the fair is a sign that Haynes is a safe place for queer people.
4: Mother, it allows my transgender daughter to see people who represent her
0: as a person in a town that's not very diverse. So I'm really excited that the fair didn't cancel
2: it. There was some controversy leading up to Friday's show. When fair organizers posted the lineups in March, they got nearly a hundred emails about the drag show, mostly in support. But some parents expressed concerns about kids being exposed to drag and what they thought would be sexual themes. Another person implied that drag should be met with violence. But in May, fair officials announced they would not cancel the show. Instead, they'd move it from 7 p.m. to 9 p.m. For Hainesboro Assembly member Ben Altman-Moore, the show means that the town is catching up with the rest of the world. And also, Haines is very concerned about keeping its young people. And this is the kind of thing where young people are like, okay, it's not 1954 anymore. Gino Drag has had a large presence in Gino and Skagway but nobody KTO spoke to could remember a drag show in Haines before. The acts range from tributes to Stevie Nicks and Barbie to a Where's Waldo parody. Drag artist Latuya Hart Monroe has been performing for nearly a decade. She says the group wanted to make the show suitable for all ages, and she wishes she had exposure to drag when she was growing up in Juneau. I didn't have access to anything like this when I was a kid. And I really do wonder like how that would have changed how I move around in the world and how I see myself. The show may be the most attended at the fair this year. When the very tall Lamia Monroe steps on stage in a classic Barbie chevron swimsuit, teen girls at the front scream and cheer. Later, Luke the Duke of Bell does a modern country medley. And when Gigi Monroe walks out of Stevie Dicks, it's the team's moms who lose their minds our
4: tonight?
2: The show goes until about 11 p.m. After Curtain Call doesn't sign up to have their photos taken with the performers. Reporting from Haynes, I'm Yvonne Cormery.
0: For KFSK, I'm Shelby Herbert.